Welcome to Femcasters, a podcast and community where feminine wiles and ferocious female voices collide. Femcasters was born from the idea that we can change the world one broadcast at a time. We are here to unite and elevate the voices of silence breakers just like you, girl-wide. Let's kick it, Karina. Kick it! How did we get so lucky, Karina Belizzi, to have the most darling doctor ever here, Dr. Sherry Campbell? I mean, if she is not a femcaster, I don't know who is. It's because you're so fabulous and you've developed this awesome relationship with her by proving to her that you are just as awesome as she is. That's my personal opinion. But That's yes. 100% true. Julie pulls me out into the world. <laughs> Let's get that voice heard. I, seriously, let's get that voice heard. That's a conversation we did have because Dr. Sherry has an immense following on Facebook, Dr. Sherry Campbell, PhD. She is, I think, tipping at almost 135, 140,000 followers. But what is truly amazing is that she has engagement. The engagement on her Facebook page bewilders me. And she does it all herself. That bewilders me too. Yeah, I, I do that. It's a lot, but I I don't want anyone's voice on my, you know, it's so personal what I talk about, you know, because it's talking about toxic family and, and there is nothing more personal than the social group of family. And when you don't have that, you know, you don't really have a voice. And so I really can't see how someone else could even come in and do my work because they haven't, li- if they haven't lived it, Um, they really don't have the survivor knowledge that they would need to come from in terms of the vulnerability of what people feel when they're estranged from family. Wow. So I think part of the way that you get there is by really showcasing that vulnerability in a way that is both digestible and not off-putting, because I think sometimes people, they almost go a little too far with that vulnerability in the beginning. So I would personally just love to hear how you approach that, how you tackle the difficult subjects that you do cover to ensure that you're providing a platform that encourages people to share as opposed to puts them off. I think that there is a difference between being needy and vulnerability. Okay. I I think that being needy can look like vulnerability, but neediness, jealousy, expectation are the three relationship killers. Uh, because with neediness, there is no help. You'll say to a needy person, and I know this as a clinician, and you get yeah, but as a response. So I don't work with yeah, butters. If yeah, butters come into my office, I recognize that they're not ready for the truth. And vulnerability comes from truth. And truth is hard. And I, on, and many times in my summit, because I'm not these, the therapist of these people, uh, I will say, I'm, I'm going to land something on you. But it might feel really painful. Are you ready for that? I won't just land it. I ask permission because I don't know what their support system is. And so I think vulnerability is about respect. Whereas I think neediness is about engulfing and trying to get misery to love company. And you have to know the difference. Wow. I think that's really insightful. So could you give me an example of someone being needy as opposed to more vulnerable? So neediness would come from wanting someone else to rescue you and waiting for it 
pining away for it and putting the responsibility of your need out onto someone else, even if it's a toxic parent, a toxic sibling, and you're begging and pleading. And so you're in the victim role if you're needy, wanting someone else to fix your problem. There is no agency when it comes to neediness, because if there was agency, you wouldn't need. Vulnerability is about taking care of your own stuff and understanding who may be accountable for your feelings of pain, but recognizing that they're your feelings now. And so you need to step into the ring and do something about it. Needy people don't do that. And when you try to help them or you try to get them in to the ring, you get a, yeah, but yeah, but I can't do, you get one roadblock after another. So they, they, they um, feign that they want help, but what they really want is attention and what they really want is selfish. And so neediness doesn't work. It drives people away. It, it drives all people away. It becomes re repulsive to people. Vulnerability, people wanna get closer to it. Uh, it also comes in stages. Needy people will just trauma vomit all over you. And uh, uh, my vulnerability, I, I dose people first. Can I, can I trust you? Or can you handle what I'm about to say? And I open up very, very slowly. Julie can, can tell you that. I, I kind of come from a lack of trust. I can't help it. Um, but I state my boundaries and I let people know how I feel and what, what, what needs to happen for me to feel better. Because we are our actions. We are not our intentions. So someone could be well-intended across a boundary. And Julie and I have you know, gone through some like, uh, stuff as we're doing business together that I'm like, whoa, 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 you know, like what's happening. And I will go to her and she loves that about me because I don't want weird resentments or weird feelings between myself and other people. And so you quickly learn when you're vulnerable, if people can handle um, your need to have boundaries and to see what they are without feeling attacked. You know, um, I'm always very gentle but I'm honest. And that you are. And I mean, quite honestly, I think this layer of vulnerability is unlocks a life that is lived fully. And I know absolutely, Dr. Sherry, by watching you and studying you that your vulnerability on stage and when you're speaking is why people are drawn to you. How do you how do you process that as a speaker, as a podcaster, as a media darling? How do you process just laying it out there for people to know your stuff without feeling, having feelings of regret? I'm kind of two people in a way, because I'm incredibly introverted. I wouldn't say I'm shy, but I'm very guarded. Um, but I was also an Olympic hopeful ice skater. <laughs> and I've always been into individual sports where there's all this pressure. And I wanna die before I go on stage or I go out on the ice or um, not so much my podcast because I can't see the crowd. But when I've spoken to huge crowds of people, it's so hard for me to get out there. But once I'm out there, um, I just don't know another language other than the truth. I really don't. It's not a performance for me. I just don't know any other way. Um, and I think that I'm 
gentle with the hard things, but I'm very practical about them. And once I get going, um, I, I remember I spoke at the Women of Resilience. Uh, it was my first time ever speaking. And I looked up and I got a standing ovation and I, I couldn't even process it. I was like, why, why, what? I was confused actually. And then I couldn't get off the stage. I had a line of people waiting and I just didn't realize that so many people had my issue. We feel so alone in family estrangement, especially when you, you choose to uh, put space between yourself and your parents, you know, that's very much not allowed. And so getting that kind of reception was very lovely, but I did better on stage even than talking to people in the line. So I, I think that I access something else. I, even when I write who I am on the daily basis, isn't a very deep person, <laughs> but my own books and my own speaking engagements, podcasts, they're sort of revelations to me as well. I'm, I'm always in the healing journey and there's some other part of me that I access. I mean, I imagine maybe other artists are this way as well. My everyday personality is pretty lighthearted, clumsy, funny. I'm kind of the dumbest smart person you'll ever meet. <laughs> but when I'm in my zone or I'm in that space, something else also I just think is maybe higher than me, kind of like channeling through me. That's the only way that I can explain it. I don't, I don't really know how I do it. It's just a part of me that comes out when it's called, I guess. You mentioned being on stage versus being on a podcast and how different that is. So I'd love for you to share if you have a tip or two on really what you do to ensure you're adapting well to each of the different environments so that your message can be heard. I think that's the goal all of us have. Yeah, so this might sound so silly, but the first time I tried to record, I didn't have my camera on and I did not feel like I was talking to anybody. I felt like I was talking to a wall and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know who I'm talking to. And when I write my books, they're almost always accidental. I think I just start writing because I need someone to talk to. And I do Facebook videos every Thursday, and I'm used to talking to me and the camera. So when I do my podcast all alone, I turn my camera on and I respond. I allow my mirror neurons in my brain to respond to the energy that I see myself putting off. I'm at least talking to someone. And that actually helps me when I'm talking to a wall. I don't see anybody. So in some ways, I guess I'm, <laughs> my inner self is talking to the physical self and it makes me feel like I'm having a real conversation. Well, I love that insight. I feel like um, I experienced the same thing because it's so powerful to know that you're reaching somebody. And sometimes I think if you don't have somebody on the other end to give you some sort of reflection, it can be more challenging. I just finished an 11 podcast series that was focused on a monologue stream of episodes for the first time. And it was one of the most challenging things I did for that very reason. I had to go back in some cases and re-record the entire episode a couple of times, especially as I was just starting out, because I didn't have that reflection. I also didn't turn on my camera. So I'm going to try that next time. Thank you so much for that. Tip number one, practice in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah. Have someone to talk to, you know, you really are in, um, I consider myself a three-part person, 
there's the me in the past, the me today, and the amazing woman I'm in love with that I'm becoming every day. So um, I'm always in conversation with those three aspects. And um, it really helps to see my facial expressions and just down to neurobiology. Um, babies, you know, we have mirror neurons. So when you feed a baby, I don't know, you, if you'll recognize, you'll open your own mouth as you feed your baby, you know, and why do we do this? And then they open their mouths. And if you're happy and ah, the baby will be, you know, and then if you shut off the baby, you know, it's mirror neurons. And so I feel like it's helpful for me to have a mirror, even if that mirror is me, I'm really not thinking about talking to me, but I'm, I'm watching the dialogue happen between my inner self and my external self. And it is an audience, my external self. And that does help me, I think, to be more in touch with my authenticity or my truth. I love that. Sometimes when I'm doing a monologue, if you will, a podcast, when it's just me, it's so hard. But I, and what I found was when I imagine that the camera, there is the client sitting right there. I imagine the client is the camera and I'm speaking to that client. It comes out of me so much more naturally than if I'm sitting there just talking or reading something off. So there is. I agree. It's mm-hmm. like a conversation. We're always in conversation with ourselves. I don't think that we think of it that way, but even if you're driving or you're going to the grocery store, you're always in conversation. Um, and I think people really crave to have a relationship with themselves. I used to feel by myself and now I feel with myself. Um, I'm not doing life alone. I'm doing it with me, you know, and so I'm not doing my podcast alone. I'm doing it with me. So it also feels to me like what you're talking about is leaning into almost a video journaling, because if you're speaking to yourself, it could be as cathartic in a way as sitting down there and writing that journal, um, because you are having that conversation with yourself. Yeah. And I think that we are two different people. I remember when I recorded my audible, I thought it was just going to be a walk in the park until I started hearing myself read my sad story out loud. And I'm like, oh, you know, we need to stop. It was wild. I didn't think I would have such a cathartic experience. Um, I also think if I could do tip number two, um, you have to love your information and you have to love the people who need it. You have to love them. Um, I believe there's really two core emotions, love and fear, and every other emotion sprouts or springs from either of those. So I don't want to approach a podcast with fear. I want to approach it with connection. And if I don't have anyone in front of me, then I am my connection and I'm the vessel that gives them that relationship of love. This is some really good stuff. I mean... You have to love that audience, even if it's an audience of one or two. And you mm-hmm. you have to know your stuff too, but you have been doing this for so long. Do you just give us a glimpse into the life of the media darling, Dr. Sherry Campbell, and how did it start and where do you want to go with it? So I never wanted to do this. This is what's so funny to me. I just want to be a psychologist and work in my office in my room and be very private. I'm a very private person. I started writing because a songwriter patient of mine, I always gave him homework and he was like, I'm going to give you homework. And I was like, okay, you know, it's a relationship. So I'm like, yeah, give me some homework. And so he challenged me to write a song and 
within 12 days, I had an entire book of poetry. I'd never written poetry in my life and I've never written it since. And um, then I took that poetry, didn't know what to do with it. It was waking me up at night. I was having to get out of the shower and write stuff down. It was wild. And my story came out that way. And I think this is kind of a universe thing, I guess, because I didn't want to write a book. I was trying to write a poem. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I ended up with this book and my, my story sort of um, launched out of me onto paper. And I've always been an avid journal writer, but never, you know, poetry. And I think maybe it came out that way because it's so painful that it's sounding pretty landed a little better on my psyche, helped me to digest it a little. And then I spent seven years writing self-help around it and I published it. I held on to it for a long time. I mean, it destroyed my, um, it destroyed other things. Well, they were already destroyed, but um, my family, that was it for them. And I'm looking for an Oprah moment because I'm so cute. Like, oh, they're going to see me. And yeah, um, I think for me more than anything, I just always really needed someone to talk to when I was little and I never had that person. And then I didn't know how to talk to people. And then I wrote my book and it got some attention and I had self-published that one. And then I hired a PR uh, firm. I ended up writing for HuffPost, entrepreneur. And then I started just falling in love with the idea that I've always had this conversation in myself. I've been writing in a journal since I was 12. I have every single journal. I had to, I had to write myself into existence because the false narrative about me was so not true that I, I feared if I didn't write about who I was, I would go away. I would disappear and I would lose myself. And so I, I, I never wanted to externalize it because I was always ashamed, but it came out in poetry. And then something about that didn't feel so ugly. And I didn't feel like I looked too bad and I was defending my crazy parents all the way throughout. And so somehow I ended up being in this place and then people really felt like they could connect to me. And that was strange for me. I get recognized out and I don't handle it very well because I just think it's like, like they don't know me, you know, they know what they know online. That's just a part of me. Like they don't know that I fall downstairs in my pretty girl boots and go to work with a broken hand all day. Like I'm so not together in so many ways. And, and so, you know, that that's something I'm dealing with now too, is there's a Dr. Sherry, but there's Sherry <laughs> and, you know, I'm, those are just different aspects of myself, but I feel like the media or people being interested in my story, I have found a tribe of people like me. And I am definitely not everybody's tribe. Rejected parents absolutely hate me. <laughs> so I don't like that part of it either. It's not always pretty being in the spotlight. It's got its issues. But as long as I can turn my predators to a purpose and it's healthy and healing for someone else, then I'll keep doing it but I don't seek being a media darling. I don't seek it. Perhaps that very fact is what makes you so attractive to the media as well, because you're not just out there trying to sell yourself. You're out there with the purpose of truly helping people and being from this really genuine space. And people see that authenticity through and through. They see that it's not a self-serving effort. No, I got to be yanked out. I really do. I've got to be yanked out. I mean, I'll write books until the cows come home. But, um, you know, Julie's good at getting me out. She gets me out. 
So I'm very thankful for Julie because I'm, I'm yanking you out, Sherry. Yanking you out. <laughs> get me out, Jules. Yeah, I, I do need that. I recognize that I need that. I'm very comfortable alone. Very, very comfortable alone and kind of having my story in my pocket and traveling with my moccasins on. And, you know, I had lots of people ask me to do a podcast. And then Julie's like, no, you're actually just actually going to do one. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. Like, I kind of need someone to be like, no, like, actually, you're going to do it. And I'm, I'm here. So we're, we're doing it. So I'm very thankful. I feel like the right people come along in my path. Uh, I also think I'm patient. And I think timing is everything. And I think maybe other people want recognition for other reasons. I don't want recognition. I just want to help. And maybe those people who want recognition should change their intention and just want to help. And then maybe they'll get it. I've never wanted attention. I always get it. I feel like there's some irony to that. That's very Alanis Morissette, you know, isn't it ironic? But um, again, maybe it just goes down to neediness. If you're needy and you just want to be like famous or something and you, you seek that, then I don't know if you're seeking it genuinely. I don't really want to be famous or I don't really want all that attention. I just want to tell my truth to the people that will help. And what you're doing when we chase those targets, when we're chasing mm-hmm. targets, we miss it every time. But when you are ensued with purpose, this is where you're at, Sherry. And this is like, honestly why part of the connection you're making and part of your visibility and your popularity is because you're not chasing anything. It is you. Yeah. I think there's a difference between wanting and having, I want to help, but I think other people want recognition and and they're so focused on wanting it that they don't get to have it. Cause I think to have it, you have to be it. So I don't know how to be anything other than me. And I don't want to put fake faces on. A lot of people don't like me too, because my topic is so controversial. I'm destroying families, blah, blah, blah. But I can't destroy a family that's already destroyed, you know, so I can, I can stand in my own that that can be water off a duck's back because I'm just helping so many others. People want you, people love you. We adore you. And thank you for sharing your wisdom. You're so well. You're amazing. Love you. And we'll share everything in the show notes and the doctor is in and she's out. Love you, girl. Love you. So amazing. Thank you, Dr. Sherry. You're welcome. Love you guys. That was amazing. I was getting goosebumps. Yeah, I did too. Like Mm -hmm. specifically also when she was just talking about having that impact with her audience and reaching people like into their souls. Mm -hmm. I I, I literally had chills Mm -hmm. almost the entire time that we were talking. I love her. Yeah. I'm just so excited that we got to sit down with Sherry. I felt like yes. I was in in a room with a legend mm-hmm. in a way, even mm-hmm. if she wasn't in the same room with me. And um, I, I wrote down a few notes. I know that she planned to give us, what, two tips, but I think we walked away with three or four. That's so, okay. So, yeah, great. Fantastic, right? So I would just like to recap those and get what your thoughts are too, because the entire time I was sitting there, it's like I just kept having waves of chills run over my body. Which right. Is just well, incredible. that speaks to her vulnerability because we connected with her and you don't connect with everybody you talk to. People are mm-hmm. on a mission. People have an agenda, but quite obviously she does not. She just wants to help and be of service. So the, the conversation we had about vulnerability versus neediness, I think is something that people need to hear. It's like that whole, um, 
perspective of just when somebody seems to be trying too hard and you feel it, you feel like they're trying too hard. It's, it's like they aren't coming through with their genuine true self and, and it becomes so transparent, even if you don't know exactly why you feel that way. And then that's when people walk away from you, right? Like, oh, this person isn't being real. There's something about what they're putting out there that just feels like it's contrived or like they want something from me. An agenda. They have an agenda. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. So anyway, I love that. There's really no agenda did. here, is there, Karina? Mm -hmm. We want to help people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, it's such a basic thing. I I know that um, <laughs> I sometimes get criticized for being the extreme liberal do-gooder or whatever, but the reality is I, I really just want to help everybody raise up. And I think that there are so many ways that we can do that now with technology, with voice casting, with podcasting, with Clubhouse, with social media, that we all just really need a chance to develop our personal voices and be heard. And I think Dr. Sherry provided us with some incredible tools to do that. So the first was be vulnerable, not needy. <laughs> that's that's as simply one. as I could put it, right? Mm -hmm. Be vulnerable, not needy and love the information that you're putting out there. That was one that I, I had to write down. Like I'm embracing that. Mm -hmm. Loving that, loving, loving what you are putting into the world. But there was that, that last piece for me that really kind of just sunk in in a new way because I struggled so much with the first two or three podcasts I recorded in my Regeneration series coverage of Paul Hawkins' work. It was the first time that I was speaking into the microphone by myself and not reflecting with a guest and not looking someone else in the eyes and not playing off of their conversational tone aside from my trailer episode. And that's a scary space. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I felt like, I don't know, almost like I was on stage on, in front of a million people because it wasn't the same. I didn't have the same connectedness with a individual or individuals. And so it made me feel, I think, more vulnerable and more self-conscious. And I re-recorded those first two or three episodes at least twice each. <laughs> I mean, a lot of time, energy, and effort went into the analysis and writing of them because it was essentially like uh, 11 episode condensed book report with reflection of this. You're scaring people now, Karina. You're Am I scaring people? <laughs> it was nuts. Oh my gosh. I took on a lot. It was a lot to do. And now I'm just like, wow, if I had just turned on my camera, I think it would have been so different. Right. And it is knowing that there's a mission greater than how we look, how we sound, it is because we are making an impact, we're making a difference. And if we put ourselves out there and become uncomfortable in these situations and also take a step back and have an objective look at what we're doing and who we are as human beings, we can enter this arena of public speaking. We can enter the arena of podcasting, broadcasting, book writing, whatever. We can enter it with a, a sense of self and authenticity that you'll make connections beyond just your pitch, your sales pitch. Nobody likes a sales pitch. No, people don't like to be sold. That's a reality. So a question for you, you mentioned that you're picturing your audience when you are 
going through the action of podcasting and doing it by yourself, because I know you do five and 10 minute episodes on your Obsessed with Humans on the Verge of Change podcast. Um, and often you're just sharing your intimate thoughts about a particular issue. So who is it that you're picturing? Is it like a mirror image of yourself? Or I mean, how, how have you done that? Oh, so it's funny, because I've never really thought of this before, Karina, when after I finish coaching a client, I get so inspired by them. Sometimes I just jump on and record while I have that wave of inspiration. And I just imagine that client in front of me and how passionate I am when I'm speaking to them one on one, I take it to the recording button, and I just do it and see what comes out. That's really a great way for me to produce some really authentic content. And if I'm going through a hard time as well, or if I'm struggling with something, I just want to talk about it. And I'm feeling that emotion, I'll just jump on, you know, zoom or voice recorder on my computer and just press record. And that's where I get some really inspirational content as well. When I'm feeling that emotion, it's so much different than when I prepare or sit there and say, this is what I'm going to do. I sound more robotic. So I like it when I'm riding the wave of emotion. Well, well, I think that's also a really incredible tip. And it's just something I got to thinking about when you said you're picturing, you know, a person or an audience. And it sounds to me like you're picturing the specific person that you were just talking to. So that's correct. Yeah, that's no. kind of awesome. Yeah, I mean, I get wow. inspired. And then I'm I don't want the conversation to end. So let's take it. Let's keep the conversation going. So press record. And it's those moments, those fleeting moments when you are inspired that you can get the best audio, the best content, because your heart is in it. And you, we do get, oh, my dog. Hi, Violet. <laughs> she's, she's so naughty lately. Um, but that's when you do get the best, the rawest emotion. And because when you're doing audio, you want people to feel, feel your words. And those of your little dog too. <laughs> it, it just got loud here, guys. And then, you know what? Also, you have to go with the flow. There's, we all have busy lives and sometimes you can hear that in the background. So <laughs> go with the flow. Yeah. Don't be overcritical. Let yourself make mistakes and don't worry about being a little bit vulnerable here and there. Well, Dr. Sherry certainly was an inspiring first guest for us. And I'm just so thrilled that she spent the time with us. I'm curious to see what more we'll uncover with our next guest. So what do we have coming up next, Jules? Well, what do we have coming up next? We have a lot coming up next. We have our delightful thumbcasters.mn.co community. It is really an interchange of ideas, expressions, and tools, networking. So I'd love for you to check that out. Also, we have some delicious podcast episodes with Dr. Debbie Gulboa of The Doctors, the show The Doctors, and Dr. Laura Berman, who if you don't know her, you're going to get to know her. She is a pioneer on the OWN network. That's the Oprah Winfrey network. So a lot of surprises coming ahead. So stay tuned. Yeah. And I've been thrilled with what we've been able to put up so far in the Femcasters community. I know it's just budding, but there's some exciting activity in there, some excellent podcasters and people that work in media. Um, 
I've enjoyed putting together some of that content too, like just helping people get through their value proposition and giving them examples so they can develop that elevator pitch and just feel more confident in their roles as marketers of their podcast or themselves. So I just think that will be helpful. And I look forward to putting up more content soon. So please check it out. And if you haven't already gone to our Facebook page or Instagram. We're you can everywhere, find us on, Karina. Yeah, We're everywhere. At Femcasters, just the handle at Femcasters. So please reach out. We want to hear from you. And if you send us a message, we're happy to even send you a summary with show notes. Let's Thanks, just Karina. connect. I be love a part you. Of this. It's amazing. I love you too. And I love our Femcasters. So just remember, stay true to yourself, use your voice. And Karina, let's kick it. Let's kick it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Femcasters. We hope you were inspired. We hope you were motivated. We hope you think a little bit differently about how your voice, your very own voice can change the universe. So tap on those five stars, share the love, share this episode with another Femcaster that you think could use this message today. And head over to femcasters.com for all the goods we covered today, including tools to elevate your voice. You can join our exclusive community and celebrate the femcaster in you. Together, we can elevate the power and the voice of women girl-wide. Let's do this. Let's do this.